Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. speaks to them and for me this is mine and at the beginning of this psalm written by David it says bless the Lord O my soul and all that is within me praise his holy name and what I love about this part is it's bless the Lord with all that's within me it's not all that's within Kenny which clearly is quite a lot it's bless the Lord that's all that is within me And at any given moment, if I'm having a bad day, it might not be very much. You can just ask my wife. When I'm having a bad day, I need alone time for a lot of time. (laughs) And it's that I have not very much to give. But here David is saying, no matter what you're going through, bless him with what you have. And so David is known as the one who... Um, at moments was being chased out into the, into the wilderness, who hid in caves, who didn't have much to give. He was the one who was being uh, attempted. He, people tried to kill him numerous times, but yet he knew worship was his way out. And so he constantly praised and known as a man after God's own heart. And then it continues in the next verse. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So we get commanded again to continue praising, to continue blessing. Because that word bless, it means to bend down and adore. And it's mentioned seven times in this scripture. And it says, bend down and adore and forget not his benefits. So all of us who, are, who have known God, there are benefits to knowing him. And it's a good thing. And David goes on to list them. He says, who forgives all your iniquity. Or on this one, it says, all of your sins. Now, David, as we know, was a very sinful man at points of his time. There was a time when it was time when the kings went to war, but David decided to stay at home. So he was a bit lazy and a bit disobedient. And because he stayed at home, he saw a woman bathing, and he said, I want that woman. So he became an adulteress. And because that woman became pregnant, he decided to take her as his own, but she was already married. So therefore, he sent her husband to the front of the battle to be killed. So here we have David, the disobedient, David, the adulterer, and David, the murderer. And yet he lists here, who forgives all of your sins. There's not a single one, from the smallest of disobedience to the biggest of murder, there is no difference of where God will will or will not forgive you. He will forgive your sins. And that's what David is saying. And then it goes on to the next part. What is tied in, it says, and who heals all of your diseases. For all of our history, for all time now, sin and healing are tied together. Forgiveness and healing are tied together. And there's nothing we can do to separate those. The promise of God here is that he will forgive your sins. And the promise of God here is he will heal all of your diseases. And what I wrote down was, There's healing that takes a moment, and there's healing that takes a journey. But that journey will always end in a moment. There's healings that take a moment, and there's healings that take a journey. But that journey will always end in a moment. Because the promise of God is, I will heal all of your diseases. 
my job is I'm a technical project manager. I write scopes of work for a, a living, basically. And we work with different companies. And a scope of work is essentially we write a, a, a brief saying, this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to give you. And at the end of the project, the client can come back and says, you've done everything but this. I want this. The Bible is our scope of work. The Bible has said he will forgive all of our sins and heal all of our diseases. This is my scope of work. And all it takes is a moment for God to come in. And all it takes is a moment of saying, I will join that journey. Because this is his scope of work to you and I. And we just say yes. We don't know how it's going to be done, but we just say yes. And then he goes on to the next point. Who redeems your life from the pit. Now at this point, I wanted to take a, uh, a sidestep and begin to tell my story. Because this is why the psalm means so much to me. Because he redeemed my life from the pit. He redeemed my life when I thought it was over. When I was 10 years old, my dad was a pastor. He lost his job and we just moved to a random church. We eventually had uh, a worship leader come live with us. And he was, it was found out he was a convicted pedophile. And for a period of one or two years, he abused me in our home. And I grew up in that. And he lived there for about, I don't know, three years maybe. And my parents knew he was a convicted pedophile, but they invited him in anyway. And so I didn't feel safe at home. I became very angry, very isolated. I began to push people away and just didn't know how to cope with life. At school, I just failed all of my GCSEs bar one. Um, and that was English, which is surprising because I'm very dyslexic. And then in that moment, though, I was just absolutely at my bottom. And I had no friends at school. And at church, I was just pushed people away because I was in this pit. And I didn't know how to get out. And I thought it was my fault. But then when I was 15, I began to open up to these uh, youth pastors from another church. And they began to pray for me, just saying, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And that was the beginning of my journey. I began to open up to people who could pray for me, and I would just weep and weep and weep. And God began the journey of my life when I was 15, to the point that he led me to a Bible college. Um, I got in with no GCSEs but one and no A-levels, but I got into a university. And I studied there, and God opened the door for me to move to America to work out there as a youth pastor. And when I was there, I lived with a family who was just an incredible family who knew how to love and knew what safety was, knew what boundaries were, which I didn't grow up with. And when I told them my story, the, the, the mother just cried and cried saying, how dare this happen to you? She was broken for me and angry. And it was the first time in my life that I could see that you can be angry about some of these things. So in that moment, when I was 21, 22, God then introduced love into my life which I've never received before. Moving on a few years, I moved back to the UK, and, and eventually I was working out here as a youth pastor as well, and God led me to Uganda. And out in Uganda, I got to work with some incredible uh, children and, and women out there who were, had absolutely nothing, but had absolutely everything. They were in absolute poverty, and who could barely feed their children, or could barely clothe themselves, but they knew what love was, and they knew what laughter was. And their homes were empty, but their hearts were full. And in that season of my life, I went there in theory for six months, but I stayed for two years. And it was in that season that I learned how to begin to love people and how to hold them 
and embrace them and accept them. So my journey that I took on from the age of 15 till now, so it's 20 years on, God took me from one country to another country to another country just to redeem me and just to heal me. And I've shared this story to thousands of people now. And it's the sense that God will do whatever it takes to redeem you from the pits. And God called me back from Uganda. I didn't want to go, so I ran away to India. Um, but God called me back, and he, he gave me a five-year plan of to get a career, get a job, uh, get, get married, and get a house. And I got married last year uh, to Alice. And I have a career which is unbelievable. Um, what I'm doing, there's no qualification or background or that I should have this job working in IT. And then about five years to the day, we bought a house. Um, so God brought me from working as a youth pastor on £50 salary per week, um, working in the slums of Uganda and India, to living and working in South Kensington. And now he's brought me back and I'm based in Tooting. I think I worked it out the other day that I have moved house since the age of 18, about 24 times. But now we're going to move one more time to our home that I will finally live in for more than six months to a year. Because it says, he redeems your life from the pit. Your story doesn't have to match mine. It could be a pit of anything, but he will redeem it if you give him the chance. And you just say, yes, God, I'm broken and I need help. So that's all I have to say. He'll redeem your life from the pit and he'll crown you with steadfast love and mercy. And he will satisfy you with good. And I can say that is true. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. My youth was taken away, but he gave it all back to me and more. I just want to hand over to Alice to continue. Um, so when I was preparing this, I came across a quote from the great preacher Charles Spurgeon, which said, there is too much in this psalm for a thousand pens to write, which was a little bit daunting. Uh, but it's true, as we read it, you'll see that every line of this psalm could be a sermon in, in and of itself. So with that in mind, I'm just going to pick out a few key points to consider as we go through it together. We'll start with verses six and seven. So verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. So my first question is, what does that mean, he made known his ways to Moses? Exodus 33 verse 11 says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. This is an example of revelation, of God revealing himself. And it's something we see in many places throughout the Bible in fact, the whole of scripture itself is a form of revelation. So through the stories and the words in the Bible, God makes his ways known to us. And this is something he loves to do. Whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or whether you're not even sure whether there's a God, God wants to make more of himself known to you today and every day. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how God reveals himself to us and then pick out three revelations of God's character uh, to focus on that we see within this psalm. So how does God reveal himself? I've mentioned scripture as a form of revelation, but another way God reveals himself to us is through creation. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. I've always really liked Psalm 19, but before 
what I'm about to tell you. I didn't really think that uh, this guy literally talks about God because that would be weird, right? Um, until one day my friend, who's not a Christian, came to me and she said, Alice, the weirdest thing has happened to me. I was sitting on a bench, I was looking at the sky, and then this thought came into my head. And it was like I heard it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my own thought, but it was a thought that was in my head. And the thought said to me, how could there not be a God? As she's looking at the sky. And as she told me this story, I just thought immediately of Psalm 19. And I knew that the skies literally were declaring the works of God to her. Now, I love that story of God's revelation because I think it shows that if God can speak to somebody completely unsuspecting, sitting on a bench, and tell them about himself like that, how much more can he tell us about himself today um, in this place when we're asking him to? Um, Yeah. So if God, yeah, where am I? Yes, so God can speak to us today, just as he spoke to Moses, just as he spoke to my friend. God loves to make himself known. He's always done this through creation, and he does this through scripture. But in this time, we have an even clearer revelation of God than ever before. And that revelation is in the person of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 15 describes Jesus as the image of the invisible God. So that is God incarnate, the invisible God become flesh. John says about Jesus, sorry, says about himself in John 14, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And this is relevant to remember as we read this psalm, because although it was written long before Jesus ever walked the earth, as King David writes about his revelation of the character of God, he also reveals Jesus to us. So the question is, who is this God who made known his ways to Moses and who loves to make his ways known to us? So there are three revelations of God's character that I'd like to draw from the rest of the psalm. So we'll read together now from verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. We'll just stop there for now. In verse 8, David is repeating what God said about himself to Moses, which we can read in Exodus 34, verse 6. So God says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And this is the first revelation of God's character that stood out to me from this psalm. So number one, he is abounding in steadfast love. If his love is abounding, then it never runs out, it overflows. If his love is steadfast, it remains the same through the ages, from Moses' time to David's time to our time today. In the New Testament, in 1 John 4, we read that God is love. And it goes on to say, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Which brings me on to point number two. God is merciful and gracious. We read a moment ago that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has removed our transgressions from us. Now, transgression is not a word that we normally hear outside the church context. In English, the word has a Latin root, and the Latin literally means going beyond or crossing over, which I think is helpful to understand what it means in this context. So whoever we are, we all live by some sort 
of uh, code of conduct, a sense of morality. We have boundary lines of what we believe is acceptable and then unacceptable. So this is okay, but that goes too far. That goes beyond what's acceptable. We might not always agree amongst ourselves on where that boundary line sits between right and wrong, but we do all have boundaries. So you might say, well, it's okay to help yourself from a little bit of your housemate's milk from the fridge, but it's not okay to finish the milk. That would be completely unreasonable. Or it's okay to drive a little bit over the speed limit if you're in a hurry, but you can't be drinking and driving at the same time. Or it's okay to have a heated argument with your husband, but it's not okay to hit him over the head. <laughs> Never done that. <laughs> so just as we have moral boundary lines for ourselves to live by, so does God. And a transgression is essentially crossing over that boundary line from what's acceptable to God into what isn't acceptable. And the problem when we do this, when we cross over that boundary, is that it breaks our relationship with God, the very relationship we were made for. In the Garden of Eden, at first, Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. They were in step with him. Looking at our world today, I don't think any of us would say that we're walking in step with a loving God, a God who, as we read in the psalm earlier, works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. I can only imagine what a world would look like if we were all walking in step with a loving and compassionate God every day in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces. But this is the heart of the Christian message, that Jesus makes a way for us to walk in step with God again. He does this by completely removing our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. No matter what I've done, no matter how far I've gone beyond the line of what's acceptable, Jesus is offering to take that burden and weight off me and restore my right relationship with God. God is merciful and gracious. What this means, as David says in this psalm, is he does not treat us as our transgressions deserve. So it's not about trying harder, doing better, self-improvement to make myself more acceptable. It's simply receiving forgiveness through Jesus so that we can walk with God again. So just a quick recap. Point one was God is abounding in steadfast love. Point two, God is gracious and merciful. And point three is God has the heart of a father. So verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. I recently watched my friend's two-year-old have a complete meltdown in front of me. Like one of those meltdowns where there's snot everywhere, bawling his eyes out, screaming the house down. And I was just thinking, I don't know what to do in this situation. And just thinking, just be quiet. There's nothing, what are you even crying about? What, literally what happened to go from abs happily eating your, like whatever it was, fish fingers, to crying, snot, screaming. Um, and I just wanted to say to him, just like, just, shh, just be quiet. Stop making a fuss. Now, thankfully, his mum didn't deal with the situation like that. She just picked him up, gave him a hug, and said, it's okay, I'm here, I'm here for you. I'm going to be here until this is better. You're okay. And amazingly, within about a minute, the tantrum completely stopped. He was okay again, and he went off and played. She knew what he needed, because she knows him. As it says in this verse that we've just read, God knows our frame. He made us. He knows exactly how we're made and what we need. He's patient with us. When we get things wrong, he isn't angry or distant, telling us to sort it out or stop making a fuss. He has compassion on us like a father with his children. His embrace to us is like a father's embrace with his children. So Pete's going to say a few words just to finish off, but I believe that God is present here today by his Holy Spirit, and he is willing to reveal more of himself to us if we ask him, particularly more of his steadfast love, his grace and mercy, and his father heart. He loves to make himself known, so why not ask him? 
Are you there, God? What are you like? What do you want me to know about you today? So what I like about that psalm is it starts off with the redemption story being redeemed from the pit, but it doesn't just leave you out on the road. He fathers you too, and he'll carry you through every other journey that you go through in every other situation. He will move you from the pit to a journey of life with him, being the good, good father that he is. And what we want to do is like at the end of the psalm, it continues saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, bless him, your angels, bless him, your hosts. And, and so while Kenny walks away, we're going to do some worship. Um, great timing. <laughs> um, we're going to go back into a time of worship. But during that time, we want to pray for people as well, that something might have come up during it that, that resonated with you. You might be in a pit of your own that you just need some help with. And my story began by saying, I need help. And if that's you, then come forward, no matter what it is, whether it's with work, whether it is something to do with a past, whether it's to do with finances or family, like what SP was talking about earlier. If you need help, just come forward and we will pray for you. My friends who supported me, they did nothing else but pray. And they did nothing else but let me cry on their bedroom floor. That's all I needed. And there's people here that all you need is someone to stand with you. And so if you want that, we're going to invite you to come forward. And we're going to spend a little bit more time in worship. And we're just going to see what God does. And if you need healing, we've seen that as well, that God heals. So we'd love to pray for you. So let's do that. So let's stand and worship when Kenny's ready. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.